Pixels in the Animation is the GeekCast Radio Network's video game cartoon review show. We are covering every episode of nine different video game cartoons. Join TV's Mr. Neil and myself, TFG and Mike, as we trek through multiple Mario tunes, Zelda, Captain N, Mega Man, Sonic, and we are also driving through Donkey Kong Country. Pixels in the Animation is 100 episodes of video game cartoon goodness, so tune in to help us find the Pixels in the Animation, which you can find every Wednesday on iTunes and www.geekcastradio.com. Hello and welcome to Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to children of the 80s, 90s, and even into the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. This week, Eva is out. She's going to be returning with us next week, but we are doing something that's kind of a guy's night, since Mike and I are here together. Uh, really, I mean, I don't know how else to put this movie, because it's really just kind of a guy's film. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I know you already have done Top Gun on this podcast, yep. and I... Uh, I wish I was originally around back then because I saw they did a theatrical re-release to celebrate the Blu-ray release of Top Gun. They did an eight-day release yep. a couple of years ago, and I I told my mom at the time I said I have to go see this. <laughs> I've loved this movie since I was like eight or nine years old. It came out when I was six, and by the time I was eight or nine, I had seen it several different times, and I was like the first time ever that I'm actually able to go to a theater to see this movie, I have to see it. The only scene in the entire movie that really creeped me out, even as an adult, was because I don't think it was a scene meant for the... the, the, the I, I've always seen the movie on small screens, so seeing it on the big screen, um, the sex scene, yeah. it just looked all wrong. Yeah. It just looked so wrong. On the small screen, it's fine. Um, but on, on the big screen, it just looks all wrong. I wish, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I have to look and see if, um, if, uh, if Days of Thunder has had a Blu-ray release. If it hasn't, they need to do a re-release for this because I would love to see this movie in the theater. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I want to say that they have done a Blu-ray release for it, uh, Jeez. The copy that I have, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, the copy that I have is uh, the VHS copy that Doug has. <laughs> yeah, <the DVD> version. <laughs> so figure it out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this movie, I, 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 you know, I've never really liked NASCAR, and I'm going to go out and say that just because here in Southern California, where I live. Everybody who's associated with NASCAR is redneck. And I mean, that's straight out all that it is. You're a hillbilly redneck type of thing. Now, despite the fact that I came, that 
Lakeside, California, happens to be the home of Jimmy Johnson, who's like one of the greatest NASCAR racers of all time. I've seen the guy several times driving around in Lakeside, but I'm not a fan of NASCAR, I'm sorry. That said, I still really like this film. Yes, it was released in 2008 on Blu-ray. Ah, there we go. Damn it. Um, I, 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 it's just one of those things. Once I saw Top Gun in theaters, I'm like, okay, I need to see the car movie in theaters. I, yeah. oh god, I don't, I don't know how. We probably won't get another release for if we ever get anything else from Days of Thunder. We probably won't get it until the 30th anniversary, which is in 2020. Yeah. Uh, which is just crazy because by that time, oh my god, I probably won't even be able to. I'll be, well, I'll be 40, so I won't be that old. That's not that bad. Yeah, but you'll have uh, Tom Cruise being, what, 60, 70? Well, well, yeah, but I mean, even yeah. if it's a theatrical re-release, I mean, I'm sure they have those, and they can, you know, tech, you know, w with the technology today, I'm sure they can make it look good. Oh, yeah. Um, but, no, if they did a re-release, not, not not a sequel, a re-release, dude. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no sequels. <laughs> Please, no sequels. Talladega Nights was kind of a sequel to this, but I mean, it wasn't even. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. It was an insult to this. Yes. Oh my God, <laughs> Will fucking Ferrell. Ugh. Well, we'll get we'll get to that because I know that there's a couple of cast members left to talk about about that. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, yeah, I, I really like Days of Thunder. I mean, you know, 1990 racing film came out by Paramount Pictures, uh, produced by Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer, which we've all seen if anybody's ever seen any of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Uh, you know, Tony Scott, who's the original, who's the director of uh, Top Gun. Uh, I mean, you got a cast list that just read incredibly. I mean, you look at all the people that are in this cast, they're all pretty much big names. You got Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman, Robert Duvall, Randy Quaid, uh, Carrie Elways, Caroline Williams, Michael Rooker. I mean, the list goes on. <laughs> you know, and you also have some of the uh, some of the original NASCAR greats at that time. I mean, you had uh, Rusty Wallace showing up, Harry Gant, Neil Bonnet, uh, Daryl Waltrip was in this. Mm -hmm. I mean, they all had their little cameos, but they showed up. Yeah. So, and one note, one little note of contention with this here. It's something that kind of pissed me off with this is that this was like one of three films that Tom Cruise did with his, well, his now ex-wife, but at the time <laughs> he was dating her, Nicole Kidman, you know, yeah. Uh, this was probably the best one of them all, I would say. Yeah, uh, I, I do know a little bit of trivia and not not to take away from your, your trivia here. And I, I, I remember this. From something I'm not looking at anything, but I think at one point in Far and Away, um, he actually uh, scared the crap out of her by not wearing any pants at one point in the movie. Yes, there is a during scene. the filming. Yes, there's a scene in the movie where where he's got a chamber pot put over his crotch, and she kind of <laughs> sneaks up to go lift it up and look, and at that point she realizes that he's not wearing anything underneath it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... When they were married, I thought they did a lot more films together. Uh, I like her on her own in certain things. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, she is a 
fairly decent actress. She's uh, she's not bad by any means, and, and I do like her, but um, I liked them when they were working together, and, and by far, yeah, th th this one is the best one, because uh, Far and Away was a little too not my thing, and Eyes Wide Shut, because it is a Kubrick movie, was just too out there for me. Yeah, I mean... The only plus with Eyes Wide Shut is that, hey, you got to see Nicole Kidman in full frontal nudity, which, that was pretty spectacular considering how old she was at the time. <laughs> you know, it got my juices going, I'll say that much. <laughs> yeah, uh, about the, with, with them starring together in Days of Thunder, you can really tell how short he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know that... Uh, I used to run, or I used to work at a day camp uh, during the summer, and we actually had the two kids that were uh, Goose's kids. They were there at the, at the day camp, and they said that Tom Cruise, he was short and he was an asshole. <laughs> and so, I mean, all when they were doing the film in the Top Gun, he was like, yeah, he was a jerk. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's good to know. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, we'll go ahead, we'll talk real quick about the, about the plot of the film, and then we'll kind of dive into the cast. Um, plot is pretty straightforward. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, you got a guy who's basically a an unknown who comes into racing, meets up with the bad boy of racing, you know, uh, Rowdy Burns, and, you know, Cole Trickle. You know, which, of course, I, as soon as I hear Cole Trickle, I think of Dick Trickle, which makes me think you have a really bad problem with your bladder. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you know, they're, they're going through it, and he's coming into NASCAR to race the first time. Uh, they get Harry Hogg out of retirement to be uh, Cole's pit crew, and they come in, and they find out that, hey, he actually can race. Uh, of course, he goes through and discovers that, well, gee, Tom Cruise's character, Cole Trickle, has no idea how to communicate with racing and how to set the car up at all. And they're having to learn that whole tire scene. I love that. Give me 50 <laughs> laps on the way you want to drive it any way you want, and then give me 50 laps my way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they go through and you see this whole rivalry between Cole and Rowdy. Uh, they have the crash at the fire, the, the firecracker 400 in Daytona mm -hmm. and basically completely destroys their cars. Uh, Cole ends up being in the hospital and he can't see for a while. And then finally the, the brain swelling comes down. Rowdy, on the other hand, his brain actually has a burst blood vessel. It starts getting worse and worse. This is one of the reasons why, outside of the fact that I probably would never be able to drive because of my physical limitations, because of my physical disability, this is another reason why I would never, never drive race cars at all. <laughs> like, I, I just cannot... Oh my god. As a person who always gets usually like tension headaches or stuff, you know, just migraines every now and then, I just wouldn't be able to go through something like that after a crash. There would just, yeah. just be no way. Well, I have done I've done what they call autocross racing. Uh, mm -hmm. I used to have a little Saturn I would take and race down here in San Diego. And it's basically kind of what, it's called what they call a run what you brung kind of, uh, kind of competition. They put you in the classes and they go out in your race. And let me tell you, even driving at 35, 40 miles an hour, which doesn't really sound very fast, when you're whipping around a course and you're sliding mm -hmm. the car, it feels pretty damn fast. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the rush is, it's like nothing you can ever imagine. I mean, it's just, you're holding on, you're going, holy crap, that was fun. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, there's... There are some good points to racing, and I'll I'll give I'll give them. That. Oh no, I know there are good <laughs> points. It's just like just talking about that first crash. It's like, oh yeah, oh my god, it just oh god. Yeah, and I'm surprised that he wasn't. You know, that was one thing with this crash is that I'm surprised that he really wasn't more injured. But then again, safety, you know, safety equipment is, you know, it's top notch. They've got a lot of stuff with it that will help stop accidents, you know, stop mm-hmm. serious injuries. So I'm really kind of surprised by that. My favorite scene in the film so far, as we're getting to this point in the plot, is the very beginning, before before the scene with, you know, you do 50 your way, you do 50 my way. The very beginning, I'm dropping the hammer. Yeah. No, you are not! <laughs> Wing, wham, zoom, it's gone. Oh, it's like, God. Okay. When the, <laughs> when the music swells in that scene, when, he, when, when they have that exchange of dialogue... And then he does it, and the music swells from Hans Zimmer. And I completely, I consider myself a huge score, I wouldn't say snob, but a huge score um, enthusiast when it comes to films. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know this was Hans Zimmer back in the day, because I've seen the movie enough times to know the music by heart. I didn't know it was Hans Zimmer, and I've seen the movie enough times, probably looked at the credits enough times. I just completely forgot. And then um, Wildland Records released the soundtrack, which was 23 years in the making, because there were bootlegs of it over and over and over again over the years. But we finally have a, uh, a, a, a limited edition soundtrack for the film. And listening to the music by itself, it's like I can... I can pretty much name. You know how when you watch a movie and you watched it enough time that you can recite the movie as you're watching it. Yep. I can pretty much recite any scene from this movie as long as I'm listening to the score. <laughs> it, it just it's so so great. It really really is. Uh, but when the music swells in that scene in that beginning scene is like oh yeah, he's gonna drive his ass off. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean I I love that. And then when you hear like. The when when you hear as, as they go through the crash and you hear him like getting ready to race it up and all of a sudden you see the crash happen and the music mm-hmm. going the way it is like <gasps> and you just know that something bad is going to happen. Mm-hmm. That to me was like you know it was dominating and then you know as you get further on and they you know Cole starts to come back out of it and they finally go back to the last time that Cole returns to Daytona to race. Mm-hmm. And you see the same sort of thing, the same setup happening again, the same accident, and he's barreling through, and he makes it through that time, and then the music comes up with just this enthusiastic music, like, yes, he succeeded. Yeah. Yeah, that was... <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. You know. And then with the plot, you know, you have the the rivalry between Rowdy and, and Cole, and it even continues off the track. Oh, yes. <laughs> and... <laughs> that uh but you know cole is trying to be a friend of the guy because he does go down to florida and he does tell him look you need this surgery whether you go in yourself or whether i take you in and he breaks that pool cue yeah um you know he does so he is trying to be a friend around he's not trying to just be a dickish rival uh whereas later in the film it's complete rivalry between Cole and, and, and Russ. Oh yeah. Uh, th- there is no friendship there whatsoever. Um, 
But with Colin Rowdy, oh my God, that scene with the rental cars. Oh. Well, I, I, we're gonna have, we're gonna agree that you know you're not gonna let me drive, and I'm gonna agree that I'm not gonna let you drive. So we only got one solution to this. <laughs> and the other thing that I loved about that is they took and they pitted a Ford against a Chevy for that. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Oh my god. And of god, course, that's... what do they do? They pick the crappiest Chevy at the time. They have a Chevy Lumina going up against a Ford Taurus. <laughs> Which well, those are probably the two famous models at the time for the standard Ford cars. Yes, well, ironically, at the time the Ford Taurus was not a NASCAR car. They were actually still using the right. Thunderbirds. Right, but I'm saying like a general, like a like a car you would see in a rental place. I'm sure right. at the time, because those cars were, I assume, fairly new, that they would be the models that, that Ford and Chevy would use to go up against each other. Right. Well, what what's funny is that the Chevy Lumina got, got phased out from NASCAR, uh-huh. and the Ford Taurus is now actually being used as the body style for the new uh, <laughs> Ford NASCAR cars. Wow. So... That's... One of those stupid little bits of trivia that I have stuck in my head. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, so we have, uh, we've got uh, them doing that, and we've got uh, friggin' uh, Arthur Branch from Law & Order as the boss. <laughs> <laughs> you got Fred Dalton Thompson as... Uh, as Was it the oh head God, of NASCAR? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Big John, president of NASCAR, uh, patented after Big Bill France. Um, and, and so you got that scene. Um, you've got the romance kind of between Cole and and Claire. Yeah. You know, that, that whole thing with him sh- talking about slipstreaming and he's using the sugar packets on her thigh. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's still, to this day, is kind of like, ah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the only the, the only sex scene that's slightly better than that is when uh, it isn't gone in sixty seconds when Nicolas Cage is naming off certain car parts to Angelina Jolie and then they just start getting it on in yep. the car. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a pretty good one, and I know we'll have to cover that movie at some point because that's one of my. Oh movies. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, where else are we going with the plot here? So, basically what happens is uh, Rowdy, under, he, he finds out he has to undergo brain surgery. He's not going to be able to drive his car. And throughout this whole thing, there's been this little weasel in the background who started this whole thing, got Harry back into it and everything else, and that's Tim, played by... Uh, Randy Quaid. Uh, Randy Quaid. And... Tim's like, oh, okay, we're going to get you up and going. And when they fail, because Cole crashes, he's like, oh, well, I'm going to find another racing team, and I'm going to split the difference, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to find this Russ Wheeler guy. And then in the middle of it, he finally has, you know, grows a conscious and says, oh, that's my engine in that car. I gave him that engine, and blah, 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 blah. Yes. Um, that's the car we're pushing. And... Um, it's just, it's so great. It, it just is, is so, so great. It's such a great film. I don't know why anyone trashes this film. I know people have, but I don't know why they do. Sure, the plot is basic and standard, but I mean, we live in a world today where plots are basic, standard, and reused multiple times over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. So, 
for me, what makes the film is the acting, is the action scenes, and it's the music. It's just, it's powerful, yeah. and it's amazing. I, I think that the main reason why people bash on this film is just because, you know... They don't like racing? <laughs> well, it's, it's NASCAR for one, you know, yeah. and two, it's, you know, it's hip to bash on Tom Cruise, so... Yeah, yeah. Nowadays it is. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why people are like, oh, I can't believe, you know, they don't want to admit to liking this film. It's a dirty little secret of theirs. I got no problem with it. I like this film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and we'll get into the cast here, because there's really, there's some really good, good actors in this film. You know? Oh, my God. The, this this cast is just dynamite. Uh, you know, the first, I, I mean, I can't even say that it's the first five names on the list. It's all the way down to, um, to John C. Riley yeah. on this list that is just so, so great. Let's, um, get Mr. Big Nose out of the way first. Tom Cruise. Yeah. Say what you will about Mr. Cruise. Say what you, and see, this is, this is the thing. Okay. Everybody makes a huge deal of, oh, Tom Cruise and Scientology and whatever else. I have always maintained I watch an actor for their performances. Yeah. I don't give a crap about what they believe in their personal life as long as they bring their A-game to a performance. Yeah, the only thing I got to say about him, he was a little weird when he jumped up on the sofa and, on Oprah and was like, I love my wife. Okay, that took him yeah, a little too far, but... <laughs> But I mean, yeah, he's and Tom Cruise. He's done so much too. I mean, we've had him, few good men, Top Gun, as we mentioned, uh, Mission Impossible movie series, and of course, I have to mention this. One of my favorite appearances of him was in a movie with Robert Downey Jr., Jack Black, uh, <laughs> Jay Barokel. Yeah, Tropic Thunder, and people, I'm sure, are going. Huh? <laughs> in that film? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he was a slimy movie producer, Les Grossman. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was. And, and I love that because there's a, the very end of it, you see him dancing, and he's like, he's dancing and swinging his stomach, and he's just got that lump there. You can tell it's a fake suit, but just it's done so well. It's like, oh my God, that's Tom Cruise? <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh. So, uh, yeah. next person I do want to mention, of course his ex-wife, well, wife at the time, I believe, or he was dating her, Nicole Kidman. Uh, you know, she's the neurosurgeon who develops a relationship with him, saves his brain. Uh, of course, we've already mentioned Eyes Wide Shut, where she's damn hot, full frontal nudity. If you guys really want to see a chance of what she looks like without her clothes on, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's done some movies which I kind of liked and some movies which I would, like, really rather forget. Yeah, um, I think we need to just talk about, I, I, I think we moved off Tom a little too fast. I mean, the man has been in so many awesome movies. The earliest, probably most famous thing that he had been in at the time was, okay, Taps. Um, he was His first film was Endless Love, and, and then Taps and both in 81. In 83, he was in The Outsiders. Uh, I mean, it, this is a time where, Actors did four, five, six different damn movies in one year. Yeah. Um, 
83, he's got Losing It, All the Right Moves, Risky Business. 85 is Legend. 86 is Top Gun. Uh, 88 was one of my favorites that we will most definitely be covering on this show, which is Cocktail. Uh, no, I have mentioned... never seen that film. I you've never seen it? No, it's not that I oh have. Oh my god, to. it is one of the it's one of the most quotable Tom Cruise movies ever. I believe you. I just have never seen it. I want to. I just have never had a um, chance to. <laughs> uh, you know, The Firm, A Few Good Men, Interview with the Vampire, Jerry Maguire, uh, all this stuff. Uh, you know, and and I would say after the Mission series kind of kicked off, he's he's done some interesting pictures. Uh, he's had some interesting choices, like Minority Report, The Last Samurai. Um, Lions for Lambs, Valkyrie, uh, Night and Day. I loathe that movie. Oh, you know, that, I, I thought it was going to be good, and I was getting excited about it because it was an action film, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Wait, what? It lists on... This could be wrong. It's It's Wikipedia, after all, ladies and gentlemen. But it lists on here, 2014, The Wife of Brian. And it says himself, Brian, and Ethan Hunt. What the hell is this? The wife of Brian. I need to find out what the hell this uh, thing is. Yeah, I want to find out um, too. Let's let's talk about. Let's go to talk about Nicole Kidman before we get into her filmography. Did you know that she's also a singer? Yes, uh, she's done stuff with her current husband, Keith Urban. But before that, she also had a single with a duet with Ewan. She had a single with Obi Wan Kenobi from the Star Wars prequels. Come what oh, may. God. <laughs> uh, in October two thousand one, from Moulin Rouge, she did One Day I'll Fly Away. Um, she's done a duet with Robbie Williams, something stupid, uh, Kiss slash Heartbreak Hotel with uh, Hugh Jackman. Wolverine of all people. Yeah. Um, well, they're Australians, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but now she's had an interesting filmography because um, it's not something that uh, some of her films, uh, the, the very first thing people would honestly remember her from might be Emerald City or Dead Calm. Before that, she started in 83 with BMX Bandits, Bush Christmas, uh, Wacky World of Willis and Burke, Wind Wind Rider, Watch the Shadows Dance. Um, But really, Dead Calm and Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder really put her on the map. Well, Um, Dead Calm was what got her into Days of Thunder because Tom Cruise had seen her in that film and said, I want her as my leading lady. And so that's where it came from there. So I'm okay with that. Um, You know, I mean, hell, she was she played basically a sexy Australian in this film, which I had no problem with. (laughs) Oh, no, not at all. Um, uh, Let's see. We've got uh, 91. She did Billy Bathgate. 92 was far and away. Um, Hmm. 95 uh, was uh, To Die For. I remember watching that. Oh, so do I. Joaquin also, <laughs> oh yeah, also in 95, <laughs> she was Dr. Chase Meridian. I had, oh. a love aff- I had a love affair with that poster from that movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my God. She looked damn oh. good for that, but really, 
because she acted with Val Kilmer. Well, okay, but see, here's here's the thing with Batman Forever. I get it. Val's not the best Batman, but he was a damn good Bruce Wayne. Yes, I, I will give you that. I will give you that. Um, afterwards, she did The Peacemaker, which I actually, that was a movie, one of the first movies I ever walked out of in the first 10 minutes. Um, uh, I got to see that movie for free, but only because I was working at AMC Theaters at the time, so I'm glad <laughs> I didn't pay for it. I, I actually have walked out of two Nicole Kidman movies within the first 10 minutes of the starting. I'll get to the second one in a minute. Uh, Practical Magic. I, magic, I kind of like that. That was a little fun little thing. Yeah. Uh, we already mentioned Eyes Wide Shut. You know, the only thing about Moulin Rouge that I really know is Lady Marmalade by Christina Eve, or by Christina and Lil' Kim and... Maya, like the song from that movie, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen that movie at all. Yeah, well, Lady Marmalade uh, too was actually a, an old Patti LaBelle song, so they kind of ripped yep. it off. <laughs> well, yeah, but it was, it was interesting at the time for those four very popular, very powerful vocal singers to do a rendition of that. I thought that was really cool. Oh yeah. Uh, also in 2001, she did the others. The one that I, the other one I walked out of was birthday girl in 2001. I cannot believe I paid money to see this damn movie. Um, it's a 2001 British American drama and crime film. Uh, plot focuses on the English bank clerk, John Buckingham, who orders a Russian mail order bride, Nadia. It becomes clear upon her arrival that Nadia cannot speak English and early into her stay, two mysterious men come to the house claiming to be her cousin and cousin's friend. Uh, it just, it was one of those really, really slow films for me. Uh, the Hours was another hit for her, Cold Mountain, The Stepford Wives. Uh, 2005, she was uh, Samantha in Bewitched. I hated that. I, I, I watched it only because my girlfriend at the time was like, we have to go see it. She loved it. You know, she loved it. And then yeah. the fact that you have Nicole Kidman playing opposite Will Ferrell, who was basically playing a bumbling boob idiot. And it had nothing to do with the actual Bewitched movie. It was just like they were doing, they were talking about bringing Bewitched back, and Nicole Kidman shows up as an actual witch and is like, you're giving witches a bad name. What the <laughs> fuck? I'm sorry. Just That was a huge yeah. what the fuck moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, since I would say probably <laughs> she did a voice in Happy Feet. Uh, since then, I would say I don't know anything about her career. Um, I haven't seen a Nicole Kidman movie since um, The Stepford Wives and Bewitched. So since 2005, almost uh, <laughs> almost 10 years ago so it's been a while for me so all these other ones that have come up since then i just i don't know what it is i just haven't haven't checked them out at all yeah just well she's got one that i'll probably see uh that, that she's working on uh called grace of monaco where she's been playing grace kelly Ah, interesting i'll probably actually see that only because i really like grace kelly i i like a lot of the older uh, movie stuff, so seeing Grace Kelly coming back and they're going to do this whole thing on her life and how she got married uh, the Prince of Monaco, I'll probably mm -hmm. see that just because of that, you know. And if I get to if I get to see Nicole Kidman looking hot, <laughs> okay, twist my arm behind my back. <laughs> yes. 
shall we move on to uh, Robert Duvall? You got it. <laughs> uh, the very first thing I probably ever saw this guy in was actually, and I don't know why they, I think I saw this in English class. I don't know why they would show this in, I, 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 in England. I know, you, I know you know where I'm going oh, with yeah. this, but he was Arthur Boo Radley in To Kill a Mockingbird from 1962. Yes, <laughs> I, and you know, I didn't realize that that was him. I mean, I've seen the movie like three I, or four times. Yeah. Didn't click in my head until I was looking at IMDb. I'm like, holy crap, that was him? Yep. Um, he was uh, uh, in True Grit in 1969. He was in the MASH movie in 1970. He was in THX 1138. Yep. Uh, he was in The Godfather. He was in, um, i trying to see what the next one that I know is. Uh, God, he was in all The Godfathers, pretty much. I mean, that's, yeah. that's you know. Uh, he was in Network as Frank Hackett. I'm uh, hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. <laughs> yep, he's in Invasion of the Body Snatchers in '78, uh, Apocalypse Now, and The Great Santini in '79, uh, The Pursuit of DB Cooper in '81, uh, and really where he's going to come to where most people would know him is um, probably '88 with Colors. Yeah, I would say maybe. 86's Let's Get Harry. I barely remember that movie, but I remember the title and I remember kind of seeing it a little bit. Um, and of course, Days of Thunder. Since then, since Days of Thunder, he's been everywhere. Yes. Uh, 93's Wrestling Ernest Hemingway. Uh, something to Talk About in 95. Um, I gotta mention one of my favorite movies. I don't remember what year it actually came out here, but... Uh, he plays Detective Pendergrass in Falling Down with Michael uh, Michael Douglas. Uh, that would be 93. Okay. And if you've never seen it, it really is kind of an interesting stab at what's wrong with America. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen bits and pieces of it, but it's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah. Um, 90, like, for me with, with Robert Duvall, it's been Days of Thunder and one of his 1996 films that I most remember. And I was shocked as hell to see him show up as Doc in Phenomenon with John Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, oh, I, I, and I got to mention, since you mentioned it earlier with Nick Cage and Angelina Jolie, he also showed up in Gone in 60 Seconds. Yep. Because uh, I remember he was, he was like, uh, they brought in the car and... Uh, Delroy Lindo was sitting in the car there, and they had the coke that was that was dropped at the back of the car, and he's trying to get yep. him to race the engine. <laughs> yep. So yeah, I mean, I, I gotta say, Robert Duvall, he's he's an excellent actor. I mean, the guy's gotten Oscar nods. He was nominated for Yuli's Gold. So yeah, I mean, the the guy has such acting chops. He's been in so so much. Um, he's even done some voiceover stuff. He was in Open Range. Yep. Uh, um, you know, recently, um, as of a couple of years ago, he he reunited with Cruz in Jack Reacher. I need to see Jack Reacher now. I don't know if it's any good, but um, I've heard uh, mixed things about it. That it's it's good because Tom Cruise does his own stunt driving, but <laughs> you know, 
Uh, yeah. Uh, he was in The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. He actually played Don Quixote in, in last year. This year, so far, according to uh, Wikipedia, he's uh, going to be doing The Judge, which is currently filming uh, television. He's been all over TV. Oh, yeah. His television debut was the Ar- Armstrong Circle Theater in 1959. He he was on TV before he was ever in film by like three years. Um, uh, he was in Naked City in '62, The Outer Limits in '64. Um, uh, let's see, Bob Hope presents the Chrysler Theater in '66. Uh, let's see, the '80s. He was in Lonesome Dove. He was on the Terry Fox Show. Uh, the Man Who Captured. Eichmann, I assume that's how you say it. He was um, on a Garth Brooks episode of Saturday Night Live in 98. <laughs> uh, he was in the show Broken Trail uh, in 2006. Uh, in 2012, uh, it's interesting that he um, he reunited with Kidman uh, in a show called uh, Hemingway and Gellhorn. Yes, and that was actually really good. Uh, yeah. It was an HBO thing that they had done uh, where they're showing uh, Ernest Hemingway and God, what was her name? Um, Martha, Martha yeah, Gellhorn. Martha Gellhorn. And they're basically in their early days when they're going through the war and, and writing about it. And it's really kind of interesting to see. Yeah, it's it's very, very awesome. All right. Moving on to Michael Rooker. Oh, um, I'm going to say this guy surprised the hell out of me because it didn't dawn on me who he is. Okay, <laughs> I bet it does now, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. It, 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 and I'll get to that in just a minute because, I mean, <laughs> this guy's been all over the map as well. And he's done a lot of stuff where he's been he's been in a lot of different roles. You see him as comedy. Uh, you see him as dramatic. Uh, some of those here, you've got... Um, uh, we've got Robert Marshall in The Sixth Day with Arnold Schwarzenegger, which is a god-awful movie, but <laughs> uh, he was Captain Howard Chaney in The Bone Collector. Uh, one I've got to mention here, he was Svenning in Mallrats. <laughs> I think that was the first movie he was ever bare-assed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and getting the stink palm, eating the chocolates, oh, God. <laughs> You'll never eat chocolate-covered pretzels again no. after you see that movie. No. Never. And we will cover that at some point here. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. There was a movie that he was in that I remember recent. Well, not so recently. Um, I'm not seeing it here. Damn it. Where is it? Oh, that's right. It was in the 90s, duh. Um, unless they don't have it listed here. When the hell did Replacement Killers come out? I could have sworn that was 99. There it is. Yeah. 98. Replacement Killers. He was uh, Stan uh, Zeto Zedkoff. He was the cop in Replacement Okay. Imagine this, ladies and gentlemen. You have Chow Yun-Fat, Mira Sorvino, and Michael Rooker in the same film. Yes. <laughs> it was absolutely amazing. The only thing um, that disappointed me about that film was I kept expecting Chow Yun-Fat to bust out with some, you know, awesome kung fu stuff or something and yeah Johnny but you never he, let him do it <laughs> yeah um 
He was uh, William Rice in Jumper in 2008. Uh, he was uh, in the Marine 2 in 2009. I have no idea why. Uh, he was Red Doc in DC Showcase Jonah Hex in 2010. Yep. Uh, stuff he's... Uh, now, he, I'll mention the last one here where everyone yeah. probably knows him from. He was Merle Dixon on ABC, or not ABC's, AMC's Walking Dead. Yeah. And that's where it blew me because I was like, oh my God, Rowdy Burns? Rowdy Burns is Merle? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty crazy. Uh, coming up, he is actually going to be in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie as yep. Yondu. Yep. Uh, let's see, other television stuff he's done. He was on an episode of Stargate SG-1. He's on... Uh, he was on an episode of Las Vegas. He was on an episode of Numbers, uh, Jag, uh, Crossing Jordan, Law and Order, uh, Chuck, uh, Criminal Minds, uh, Psych, Burn Notice, uh, Archer as a voice. Yep. Um, he's playing uh, in Mythbusters and Conan. He's playing Merle Dixon slash himself yeah. last year. Yeah, the Mythbusters episode was actually pretty good because he's there and he's yelling at all these guys for pretending to be zombies. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, he, he's also done some really cool video games. Oh, he yeah. He really has. Uh, Chronicles of Riddick, Escape from Butcher Bay, Scarface, The World is Yours, 2004-2006, respectively, Call of Duty Black Ops 2010. Uh, he was the crew chief voice in Days of Thunder in 2011. Uh Lollipop Chainsaw, Call of Duty Black Ops, and uh, The Walking Dead Survival Instinct Yeah, uh, as, as Merle Dixon. Now, The Walking Dead, it's something that I cannot get into. I know it's about surviving the zombie apocalypse. That's, the bit, that's pretty much the only thing I know about it, but I'm not a zombie guy at all. I'm actually so sick of zombies and sparkly vampires. I want them all to go away. <laughs> um... No, I'm not saying that The Walking Dead is like the Twilight series. I'm just saying, like, zombies aren't my thing. They're, they're just not. So I have zero interest right now in The Walking Dead. It's just not my cup of tea. I would rather watch stuff like The Blacklist or The Americans or, yeah. uh, you well, know, something like that. I, I have to bring this up just as a slight mention with Walking Dead because uh -huh. it's something that I've seen as a meme that's been running around on Facebook. Okay, you know that the world is overrun with zombies. Zombies are all over outside. Who the fuck is cutting the grass? <laughs> okay, since you brought that up, I have to bring something else up. And I'm actually surprised. I think you might have commented on this. I don't remember if you did or not. And sadly, I have to scroll halfway down through my own damn wall to find it. Um, there was a link somewhere uh, where uh, they showed... Uh, the United States of America, what states would and wouldn't survive the zombie apocalypse? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did you see this? Yes. <laughs> Basically, all the states are like the redneck states, you know, Arizona, uh, Washington, Oregon, Colorado. California, California would be the first one to go. <laughs> Hell, California already, there are already zombies in California. <laughs> I will so... attest to that living here. <laughs> um... I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to find it because what's so funny to me when I saw this uh, is uh, that um, 
apparently, you know, you said it's all it's all the redneck states. Uh, Kentucky is pretty fairly redneck, and yet we're the ones that defeated the zombies. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I can't find it right off the top of my head, head here on my on my Facebook wall, but yeah, no, I'm I'm not a zombie guy whatsoever. I, I just can't get into anything to do with them. Yeah. And it, so it's, let's it's everybody's cup of tea and I get that. So Yeah. Uh let's talk about Robin Hood, shall we? Oh yes, of <laughs> course. We have to talk about Robin Hood and the Dread Pirate Roberts and Oh my god. Uh, I oh my god. <laughs> I recently I recently saw that movie for the first time ever. Outside of the fact that it's frigging Columbo and it's Fred Savage from Wonder Years as the grandfather and kid. I loathe that movie. Now, see, I, I, I have to go against you because it's one of my favorites, but <laughs> the main reason for it is that that film has helped me get more, has helped me get laid more than any other film I've ever had. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, okay? Women love a good drama with comedy and action in it. Okay? I mean, yes, it does have comedy and action in it, but I just found the plot so dry. Oh, yeah. So standard. It's it, that's my only. I, I don't actually load the film. I actually don't carry the way really. Um, but it's just one of those things where after I watched it, I was like, "Wait, that's that's it, really? Yeah, that that, that that's all it is." Um, but what we are talking about is the Princess Bride because that was probably one of Carrie Elwes's first uh, like big name films that he did. Uh, he was also in Glory. He was in uh, Hot Shots. Uh, he was in Bram Stoker's Dracula. He was in <laughs> one of the best Robin Hood parodies ever, <laughs> Robin Hood Men in Tights. Why, uh, why are you so good? You know, I, I, am a, I am the best Robin Hood ever. Why? Because unlike other Robin Hoods, I can do a proper British accent. <laughs> yes. Um... He was in uh, The Chase in 1994. He was in Kiss the Girls in 97. He was Jerry in Liar Liar in 97 against Jim Carrey. Yes. Um, oh, and, and we can't forget Dr. Jonas Miller in Twister with Helen Hunt. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's true. He was uh, in the first Saw film, Why? Yeah. Ugh. Maybe I, he was trying to pay films. bills, but... Yeah, maybe. He was in a Lampoon movie, National Lampoon's Pucked. Oh, God. <laughs> you know that you're trying to pay bills if you're in one of those. <laughs> he was in No Strings Attached in 2011, New Year's Eve in 2011, Story of Luke 2011. Uh, he's got coming up, uh, well, last year um, he was... Uh, <laughs> He was Aquaman in the Flashpoint Paradox. Oh. <laughs> uh, television, he's done several things. He was in the X-Files for a year yeah. or so. Um, he was in Law & Order Special Victims Unit for an episode. He was on Psych. Uh, coming up this year, he's going to be in that Cosmos show. Um, I, I don't know. He was... Uh, wow. Yeah, that's what it says on here. I wonder how they're going to pull that off. Uh, it says he's going to be a voice. Uh, so, um, oh, the... oh, yes, actually, I have heard this because it was it was on um, two weeks ago, I think it was, uh, mm -hmm. where they did uh, Sir Edmund Halley and Robert Hook, and he was the voice of those two. Yep, 
He was the voice of Paxton Powers in Batman Beyond. Paxton was Derek Powers' son. Oh, God. I have... Yep. Yes. I have to go back and watch all that. Yes, yes, you do. I'm, I'm about three-quarters of the way through, so I have to go back and rewatch it. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. Um, Carrie has had an interesting career. Oh, yeah. Uh, he has. Uh, he's got a lot of stuff under his belt. Uh, let's see here. Who's next? Uh, oh no. Cousin Eddie. Yeah. Uh, can, can, like, we, we just say Cousin Eddie and move on? <laughs> uh, Dennis is the best Quaid out there, period. End yeah. of story. Yeah. Um, just some minor highlights, I guess, here. Um, he was various, Randy Quaid, various characters on Saturday Night Live from 85 to 91. Uh, he was in Caddyshack 2 as Peter Blunt. Now, I will say, the Caddyshack 2 rule was amazing. Yeah. Uh, um, let's see here. He was the crazy former Russell Cass in uh, yeah. Independence Day. Yep. Yeah, yeah. In- Independence Day. Shot up, shot the plane straight up the uh, alien's butt and said, hey, I'm giving you a an examination or something like that. Said... I'm here to just say up yours or something or other. Uh, he was, at, I, I don't believe this. He was in Brokeback Mountain with Nick Kidman and, and Ledger. Well, yep. I don't know. She wasn't in Brokeback Mountain. She was in Cold Mountain. Duh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the last uh, thing that he's done, according to this, is uh, Balls Out, Gary the Tennis Coach in 2009. So he's kind of... Uh, gone away from acting for a while i guess well, the reason for that is that he had the he had the law issues where he was oh, yeah. claiming that uh, everybody in hollywood was trying to whack him and he actually had that band called star whackers <laughs> uh, he, yeah. he actually because of issues with the law uh where he owed like he and his wife owed like a hundred thousand dollars or something for a, to a hotel for trashing it uh they ended up fleeing to canada and they're in canada right now so it's like, okay, oh, wow. stay there, please. Just stay yes. there. Don't make any more movies. Um, the next guy is probably the most interesting on the cast for what he has done in his real life, who is uh, Fred Thompson. Yes. Fred Dalton, Fred Thompson. Uh, he has a, had a career as an attorney. He had a role in the Watergate hearings. Um, right. I forgot about that. He had a corruption. Uh, 1977, Thompson represented Marie Raganetti, a former Tennessee parole board chair, who had been fired for refusing to release felons after they had bribed uh, aides to Democratic Governor Ray Blunt. So, corruption case against Tennessee governor. Uh, he was a lobbyist. Um, as a actor, uh, I'm hoping to actually find the link to actually see his film. Okay, filmography. Um, well, I'll, I'll step in real quick here. One thing that I do know about him from politics days, he he has been a either a congressman or senator for I want to say Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I and I could be wrong on that, folks. I do apologize, but I know that he's he's done that. And then he also in like 2000, I think it was, he ran for president. Uh, didn't make it past the you know past the first bit, uh, but he did run for the president of the United States. So. For what that's worth. <laughs> um, electoral history, he was the incumbent uh, for the Tennessee United States Senate election in 96. 
And also Tennessee United States Senate election in 94. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So, but his filmography, I mean, this guy has been in everything. Fat Man and the Little Boy, Days of Thunder, Hunt for Red October, Die Hard 2, uh, Flight of the Intruder, Necessary Roughness, Class Action, Curly Sue, yeah. <laughs> uh, Cape Fear, um, Thunderheart, White Sands, uh, uh, In the Line of Fire, Baby's Day Out. Oh my God, he was in Baby's Day Out. That's oh. a John Hughes film I'd rather forget, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he was in Racing Stripes as a voice in 2006. Uh, he, more recently for film, uh, was The Last Ride in 2011, Sinister in 2012, and Persecuted in 2013 for TV. It's a short list for TV, but it's pretty interesting list. You know, um, this is probably where I've known him best from, is his TV mm-hmm. appearances. And that's why it always surprised me when I saw him in films. Yeah. Because I know him best as D.A. Arthur Branch from Law and Order, the Law and Order series. He yeah. was Arthur Branch from 2002 to 2007 in Law and Order, then Special Victims Unit, then Trial by Jury, and then Criminal Intent. Um, he was on Sex in the City for one episode. God. His first television role was a show called Wise Guy back in 88. I remember that. Uh, yeah. It was on CBS. Uh, yeah. God, who was it? Um, Donnie Walbrook or something like that? I yeah. Forget. I'd have to go back and look. Uh, let's see here. Uh, He's going to drive me nuts now. This is Kent Wall. Uh, Kent Wall, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, Fred Dalton Thompson, absolutely amazing actor. Um, I think the last guy we really have to talk about is probably John C. Riley. Yep. Um, John C. Riley. He's. I. I don't know if I've seen him in a lot of things. Uh, I remember seeing him in this. Um, he's. I, I will say this about John C. Riley. He actually has a very broad range because I mean you can see him doing comedy. You can see him doing drama. Doing very serious things. And you get a chance to see him and realize that he's actually a fairly decent actor. Oh no, yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying he's a bad actor. I'm just trying to think of outside of Days of Thunder, and outside of that 2012 film we'll talk about here in a minute. What else I've seen him in in between those times? Oh, there's I, there's been it, a bunch it, I've got him for. Uh, yeah, I, go ahead. I, you know, I saw him in Chicago. He was actually doing a singing number in there. He was um, uh, Bridget Jones's. Uh, husband, and I can't for life remember what her name is. Renee <laughs> Zellweger. Oh, yeah. Uh, he said Zellweger. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, Zellweger, whatever her name is, I don't know. She's the one that always, who never looks like she can smile, it always looks like she's constipated. Uh, he was Sergeant Storm in the Thin Red Line. Uh, he was Reed Rothschild in the Academy Award nominated film. Boogie Nights. Uh, He was uh, he was in Step Brothers with Will Ferrell, and as I mentioned before, he was in Talladega Nights, Legend of Ricky Bobby. (laughs) 
and then of course you have the you have the one that you wanted to mention you know 2012 <laughs> film that we both love him in oh my god i cannot believe like and it's so crazy and i don't know why i ever did this because the actor for the character is so different but whenever i see john c Riley's name i always think of John C. McCloy. And it's not even the same damn guy <laughs> from Mission Impossible 2. But no, um, 2012's Wreck-It Ralph. Yes. Uh, Wreck-It Ralph. I've watched that movie since I have it on my DVR now. I've watched it numerous times. And it's not just the fact that it's a video game animated film. It, for me, the enjoyment comes out of the story. And I know people are out there saying, oh, but the story is so standard and blah, 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 blah. It's how the characters come around to the story. Yeah. Um, and how the story was written. I, I know they do want to do a sequel and put Mario in there and a couple other the characters, but I honestly don't know how. Wreck-It Ralph is a perfect standalone film. It doesn't necessarily need a sequel. Um, but if they did one, I don't know what kind of story they could tell. Yeah, I don't um, know, unless they went off onto another game within the arcade or something like that. That's the only thing I can figure. Yeah, uh, John C. Riley is also going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy this year. Who's as who is he? Roman Day. Roman Day? Okay. I guess. I I know nothing about Guardians of the Galaxy other than there's a giant raccoon that, that, that uses a machine gun. Rocket raccoon, yep. <laughs> yes. Do you want to bring up some of the trivia really quick? Oh, of course. Uh one of the things that I have here, Don Simpson does make a cameo in the film. Yep. Uh, it's right at the very beginning. You see where they're introducing Aldo Benedetti, who is patterned after Mario Andretti. Uh, now, uh, the, the scene which we mentioned about Rowdy and Cole racing the rental cars on the beach, where you see birds scattering out of the way. Uh, they actually got those birds to show up on the beach there by scattering a bunch of bird seed. And the first take when they were going through, they ran over a bunch of the birds and killed them. <laughs> yeah, they can't say for this movie no animals were harmed in the making of this no. movie. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it was the 90s after all. Yeah, it was the 90s after all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here. Oh, uh, where the scene where Cole Trickle leaves the pits after a race uh, to hit mm -hmm. Russ Wheeler, that's based on the 1987 All-Star Race at Charlotte, North Carolina, where Bill Elliott and Dale Earnhardt got into it. Mm. So that's actually real, kind of a real-life thing here. Uh, <laughs> I find this one funny. Tom Cruise got a speeding ticket for doing 85 and a 55 while working on this film. So obviously he's got a little bit of a lead foot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Robin Wright was first suggested for the role of Claire. That would have never no, worked. No, I, I would have never. been looking at it and going, no. Never worked. Uh, <laughs> I love this here. Most of the cars used in the film were actually Chevrolets outfitted with special fiberglass bodies made to resemble mm -hmm. stock cars. The vehicles routinely broke down from the strain of racing or had their bodies greatly damaged. At one mm -hmm. point, half the fleet was in the repair shop. <laughs> <laughs> That should say something about Chevy's. <laughs> uh, City Chevrolet, a sponsor for Cole early in the movie, is a real-life Charlotte area dealership that is owned by Rick Hendrick. So that's interesting that they would use that. Yeah. Um, uh, let me see here. 
Oh, uh, since you kind of mentioned the score, I'm going to kind of steal a little bit of this and let you let you go on about the score a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Harold Faltermeyer, he originally turned down the scoring duties on the film. Uh, he was recommended. Uh, he recommended fellow German composer Hans Zimmer to the producers, and Zimmer was also recommended to director Tony Scott by his brother Ridley Scott and stars Tom Cruise. Yeah, I I don't know if this film would have had the same impact if it was Harold Faltermeyer. Don't get me wrong, I love the guy's music. Beverly Hills Cop and Cop Two are some the most amazing music ever. Yep. Um, but I don't know if Days of Thunder would have that same feel. I mean, when I listen to the score, it's like listening to Race Day, even though I don't hear the actual engines. It it really is very much, you know, um, yeah. like you're you're hearing the race in your head. It, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Well. I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here since I know you've got another podcast that you're going to record. Uh, why don't you tell everybody real quick about about uh, what you've got going on with GCRN? We've got so much going on. Um, we're currently in the month of April, obviously, as you people would know by the date of this podcast. But uh, uh, the poll bag this month, our comic show, or my the, the comic uh, discussion review podcast I do will have... Uh, more TMNT coverage. We will have an episode talking about comic character deaths. We will have a couple of Origins episodes. We will have a Star Wars episode, uh, Batgirl episode, and then we're going to do Batman Eternal, the first four issues of the new weekly ongoing from DC. Uh, coming up in May, celebrating 75 years of Batman, we have a 10-episode arc uh, that's going to be released all May long. Uh, covering various Batman stories. And I want to uh, thank you for inviting me to be on that episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, several other things we have going on. MWire Weekly is still going. The MWire In-Depth episodes are going. Um, what else is going on? Uh, Pixels in the Animation. We just got past the point where the Game Master copped a feel. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Princess Lana. Woo-hoo! Um, uh, let's see what else is going. We just have a ton of stuff going on. We're we're working behind the scenes to figure out how we're going to celebrate our fifth year. Uh, there's a whole brand new, completely different, bright, shiny, and new uh, site design that's going to be launching on June first or June second this year. Uh, and that site design hopefully will take us through the next three or four years. Um, it, it's just going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, social network login, uh, interactivity on everything. Uh, it's going to be so, so great. I do have plans to bring back Tooncast Beyond for the summer where we are going to be doing an animation direction spotlight where we talk about several directors of animation, people like Walt Disney, Chuck Jones, Frizz Freeling, Tex Avery, stuff like that. Um, So there's that. There's just so much content over at geekcastradio.com. We're only four months into 2014. We've already had five interviews. Oh, nice. Nice, nice, nice. We we interviewed Abby Collins. Uh, She is Chris Collins' daughter. People might know Chris Collins as Chris Latta, the voice of Starscream and Cobra Commander. Uh, We've talked with dynamic music partners who are Michael McQuistian, 
uh, Lolita Romanas and Christopher Carter, the composers for a lot of the DC stuff. They're currently doing composition on Marvel's uh, Avengers Assemble cartoon. Uh, I've talked to Stan Bush since he's had a new album come out this year. I think it's like the 10th or 11th time I've talked to Stan in five or six years. Um, let's see what else. Who other oh, the other interviews? I talked with a cosplayer that I really like, Mad Mel Madigan. She does a lot of Spider-Man cosplay. Uh, she does various other cosplays. Uh, we talked with writers and illustrators Jim Sorensen and Bill Forster. They have got the Transformers Legacy A uh, art book on the packaging, the toy packaging of Transformers. So that's going to be really interesting. That's coming out in June. Um, but yeah, we've got so much going on over at GeekCastRadio.com. Ladies and gentlemen, not only our back content, but the content that we have coming up is simply amazing. And I'll, and, and I'll say this again. We've been a network for five years. I've been podcasting since late 2008, so that's six years of podcasting. The older content, because we were still learning back then, the quality is not what we are used to today as what we're doing now, but go check out some of the old stuff. It's still worth listening to. Oh, yeah. Some of the stuff that you had for, for uh, Tooncast, I mean, Tooncast <laughs> Classic. It's oh, yeah. still, I mean, the interviews alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the interviews. So amazing. Um, well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us here, because I know you're pretty much done. I, I do want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of Talking About My Generation. Uh, please feel free to leave us feedback on iTunes. We really do appreciate it. Even if it's crappy feedback, that's fine. I'll still take it. <laughs> Let's be know the people out there are listening. Uh, <laughs> send us a tweet. I am at S-P-R-Z-O-U-T, Sprizout. You need to change that. I know, I know. There's a whole story <laughs> behind it, and I'll fill you in on it later. <laughs> you need to change that. <laughs> uh, I am at TFG and Mike. You can also follow at Geekcast Radio as well to get all the other network updates for GCRN. Okay. And you can also follow us on Facebook at Talking About My Generation. Uh, but we'll go ahead and we'll sign off here. Mike, you're probably going to have some sort of thing for us here since you're kind of taking over on this. From I'm only taking over on the editing. You hosted the entire show. It's not like I took over your show. I just want to take over the editing so I can put some of the awesome music under our voices. Oh, yes, well, you've got the soundtrack, so I know that you're going to put something in there. So oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to whatever you've got. <laughs> <laughs> One flat. That's good enough to take the pole in the last race here.
Hell, I thought this was gonna be a joke. You never drove a stock car before? Yeah, sprints mainly. What's your name? Buck Brotherton. What's yours? Cole Trickle. It's damn nice to meet you, Buck. Damn nice to meet you, too, Cole. You unlucky son of a bitch in that tunnel turn, because that car was way out of shape. Well, you think it was luck? Let's do it again. You run good? Thank you. Now go get your own car. We'll see how you do in the crowd. So, how come you don't stick to open wheels? Lost my ride. After two championships and seven straight wins, you were fired. I lost my ride. Doesn't matter. I'd have quit regardless. Why is that? Wasn't going anywhere. Well, where do you want to go? Indianapolis. The Daytona 500 is on. We're 56 laps into this 200 lap event, and Russ Wheeler is in the lead. 4701. Lead is 4590. You're running last. What's going on, Cole? Are you all right? Just past the halfway mark, and Wheeler still leads. Some oil at the bottom of the track. The leader's just taken. Cars are sliding down from the top of the track, so watch yourself. You better go high, Cole. Pick a line you can drive through. Cole, are you all right? Answer me, please. Go around those wrecks. You can drive through it. I know it. I know it in my heart. Just 
there's the white flag. One lap to go. Last lap, Cole. Try slings out pasture us. Don't worry. I know Cole. He always goes to the outside. This one's for you, Harry. It's going high. He's going low. Son of a bitch. Here come the cars to the finish line. It's Cole Trickle taking the 